Hi there, everyone. I'm Fox News' Roop Raj on the September 7th edition of Let It Rip. It got heated because we're talking about a hot issue. The UAW and their demands a 40% increase in pay in a four-day work week. The big three, they don't seem to be budging, and we could be looking at a strike. The former spokesperson for the UAW joined us, as well as some conservatives who say the UAW is asking for just too much. And with that, let's let it rip. Tonight on Let It Rip, a week until a possible strike against the big three and still no deal. Experts say it'd be a disaster for the auto industry. Tonight, the UAW is still playing hardball. We're willing to listen when they want to get real and talk about, you know, our workers' issues. Just today, General Motors made an offer, but the union calls it an insult. Is the UAW's aggressive approach unrealistic or are workers' rights catching up with the man? It's a story making national headlines right in our own backyard. We're diving in now. And so it's time now to let it rip with Oakland County GOP Executive Board Member Aaron Tobin and Michigan National Action Network Political Director Sam Riddle, both on opposite sides of this issue in many ways. Uh, but look, here's the deal. We all want to see a resolution here, but it does not look like it's going to happen. Sam Riddle, Aaron Tobin, thank you both for joining us here on Let It Rip. Well, I want to get some of the latest here. General Motors deal. Uh, GM came to the table after the UAW made some requests and said, we'll give you a 10% pay raise, uh, bigger increases for temps. Um, and then $5,500 bonuses, uh, $6,000 inflation payment. And Mr. Fain said this is an insult. And it is an insult. Why do you say it's that? It's an insult because, first of all, General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis do not value the automobile workers. And when you really look at the data and examine it, it results in a 29% and 21% respectively uh, cut in profit sharing. These greedy suckers cannot have it one way. And that's what General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis want. Well, but, and, but hold on. And the Sam, only way that we're going to get anything resolved, quite frankly, is those automobile plants are going to have to be shut down so that the American economy can really rebound with the spending that will come forth with properly compensated automobile workers. Well, let's talk about what properly compensating looks like. Ford came to the table and said, look, our wages before, uh, $78,000 would be the average in 2022. We're going to take that up to $92,000, uh, and we're going to also add on some other things to that. That's not enough. Not enough. Because what How occurred, much is enough? How much no, is no, enough? No, enough would be the 46 percent okay. that, that uh, the UAW leadership, the Sean Fain team, is asking for. And also, when you really look at it, those years that General Motors, Ford and Stellantis, Chrysler, enjoyed a company union. The UAW for too many years has been a company union in bed with the automobile manufacturers, uh, staff and executives. Now you've got a rank and file leadership, real union leadership, under the direction of Sean Fain, Margaret Mock, LaShawn English Region 1, and others. And the point I'm making is that these individuals, the Fain team, represents the real rank and file. All right, let's talk about what these uh, profits represent. In 2022, Aaron, uh, General Motors posted revenue of uh, $156 billion, up 23% from the year before. Ford had a, uh, a revenue of $158 billion. And the executives, their packages keep getting bigger, while the workers are saying, share the wealth. Uh, I think anyone can look at the picture and say that the workers are not getting a fair deal. 
Uh, I believe that um, a lot of it is the Biden administration's fault, and they're throwing the money. How so? They're throwing money at these corporations, Ford, Stellantis, and General Motors, to build electric vehicles that nobody wants. Very few people want these vehicles. The head of the division for Ford took a, a, a ride up north in Michigan, and he said the amount of time and how much he had to recharge his vehicle that he needed to rethink the support for the, the EVs. This is the head of Ford's electric vehicle department. These cars are not popular. They're not energy efficient. You have to, the lithium, the way that it's mined is horrific, what damage it does to the earth. But are these workers, we'll get back to the electrification in a moment, okay? Well, that's but, the fight. That's what the, they're saying. That's what the, Sean well, Fain is saying. The fight, but uh, the, it's part of this, it. But wages, it's easy to put it all in the electrification and say that that's what this is all about. It's partially wow. about that. This is about making sure that there's a cost of living increase that's put into the contract. This is about paying people what they believe is a fair wage with the cost of everything going up. You've posted on this. You've talked about this. You say these workers are asking for a little bit too much. I think 46%. And a 32-hour work week. Listen, I grew up old school. I had my own business. I worked like 50, 60 hours a week. I didn't make six figures. These guys, they're saying, I need to work six figures and work part-time. 32 hours in Michigan is a part-time job. Not at all when you look at the quality of the production. And again, the totally obscene profits not shared. They're sitting what because they're not shared. What does that have to do with 32 hour well, work week? You're well, telling first, me first of all, there's a direct connection. It. First of all, you look at the tiered system right now, which you, you, you don't value the workers. One individual is doing the same work and being paid much That's less. That's a very so what much, do you think, much what do you think Aaron? Should, they, should they get rid of the tiered system? Hell yeah, they get rid of the tiered system. You know, I, I think it's, very, system has to it's go. very simplistic to say, oh, they don't value the workers. Of course they value the workers. There would be no GM and Ford and Stellantis without the workers. They understand that. If the workers walk out, they say it's going to cost them $5 billion within a week or two. It's going to hurt them a lot. Of course you appreciate somebody that's going to come and work at your factory. It's silly to say, oh, they don't appreciate their workers. You know workers. what's really silly is to listen to this garbage from a corporate mindset that does not have any compassion for the real workers, the my real company, rank and file. But do you I think, do you think my that butt off at my company with 15 employees, I, I, I work too. I'm not a corporate Hold on one second. I want to ask you a question yeah. specifically uh, when it comes to the four-day work week. Employers have to realize that employees are changing. Things aren't as they were 40 years ago. If companies don't evolve, they become dinosaurs. Don't you think that these big three are at a risk of having plants shut down and moved down south because they don't want to deal with this uh, the union thing anymore. Sam, do you think that that's something that, that, that could has be unions. Well, well, they have unions. Factories. Chrysler's threatened to do just that, to move production from Michigan elsewhere. And, and, and that, that, that's why I believe when we look at everything that's going down, you're going to have to understand something. Workers at last are standing up and being represented by union representation that's not bought and paid for by the companies. As the prior UAW leaders 
leadership was. I applaud, and the National Action Network it stands with the United Automobile Workers' right to strike, and we'll be on the picket line with them when they strike. And I expect but that. What if General, President, President, what President, what President, President, President Biden said they're not going to strike? President Biden's out to lunch. Oh. He doesn't even know where the hell well, he, he is. So the guy that you two may agree on something. Yeah. Yeah. So well, the guy that this says is the union's friend and the union's buddy no, no. is out to we, lunch. He has not even been endorsed by the UAW. He's Why? been a union ambassador exactly. well, with the railroad the workers. Well, and the electrification, the electrification is at that point really the butt of this argument here. We're talking about the fact that uh, this is being, in many people's minds, pushed on to people, this electrification. And I think both you would probably agree. In fact, Mr. Fain himself says, hey, this electrification is going to, you know, you lose 30,000 workers right away if you make it all electric. That's a problem. And the government, the well, Biden but, administration, but, 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 is throwing a ton of Sam, money at battery factories, and Sam, they're not that, saying they must be unionized. It is an issue, but what's an issue, too, is what my man said right here, and that is nobody really wants en masse the vehicles that Agreed. are electric. Agreed. They, 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 aren't, they aren't touching the, the soul of the well, American buying They're public. not touching the pocketbook is the issue, but coming awesome. up in this auto show, you're going to see uh, a lot of these big three are going to come up with vehicles that are affordable electric vehicles. Because the government's telling them, you must but build on, these Aaron, electric vehicles, happens, and we're going to throw a ton of money. Here's a billion dollars. Aaron, sure. if that happens, and a family of four that's watching on a fixed income right now can get an electric vehicle for $28,000 and not pay a gas bill ever again at the gas station and get incentives, 8000 here, 4000 here, won't well, you think families will change their Incentives change are over. The Biden administration no, said the Americans like Americans like to get in their car. They like to say, hey, Rube, you know what? Let's go to Chicago for lunch. But you can't do that in an electric but vehicle. More You're going to have to stop six times. The workers. Those workers that build those electric vehicles must be fairly compensated also. They can't be left on the sideline. Oh, you're building electrical vehicles. It doesn't take as much effort to do that. Uh, you, you doesn't take as much time do to you build think, one. Do you think they Sean must be Fain, compensated at the same rate as those that are building well, Sam, the combustion engine vehicles. You know, you know what Mr. Fain uh, is made of. You know that he was I slimly love Sean elected. Fain. But let me ask you a question. Is this bark bigger than his bite? Is this, is this Detroit going to change? Detroit is a no-bluff zone. I, know. I used to say that but every he's a, day he's a negotiator. If he's sitting inside of the negotiations, does he change his tune, or is he as rabid and as, you know what? as, it's as aggressive? I'm, I'm wondering it's a, a no-bluff zone. There's give and take in any negotiating process. When my staff, uh, we tra trained them in negotiation, and we were doing multi-zillion dollar deals when I worked in big oil, I can tell you right now, you're not going to negotiate any Thing if you're not willing to give as much as you so want what, to take. what does Sean Fain need to give up in your mind? Well, first of all, uh, one of the things I think the first casualty may be the 32-hour uh, work week, but we'll see. Well, no, I'm, it's I'm not way okay with it because the point is, is you can bring more people into work and you can fairly compensate the victims of the tier system. Tears must go. What's the most realistic and the least realistic uh, demand that you're hearing from the UAW right now, Aaron? The UAW workers are not getting a fair deal, period, at all. At all. 
they need to be fairly compensated. This last, when Trump ran for president, he got more UAW support of the rank and file than any previous Republican. Then they're predicting this time, whoever the Republican nominee is going to be, is going to get a tremendous support from, for, for the Republican Party, from the UAW rank and file, which is a reason why Sean Fain is not backing Biden right now. Sam, what Biden do you think about that? Biden has a well, Trump runs for office. We, we, Trump runs for office. Yeah. And UAW workers who generally vote Democrat all of a sudden switch over and vote for Trump? You think? Or Nikki Haley. Okay. But, but I'm saying I'm in terms of that. Who is beating Biden right now? But she Trump only, cannot but beat Biden. But she is, she is certainly not in the same league. You're talking no, about 50, not, 50 and, 60 and she's not right? on her way to jail. Neither is Trump. Well, Vivek Ramaswamy may offer a run for money Trump will, on that Trump as well. will flee to a Middle Eastern country <laughs> on the Trump jet before well, he goes to prison. I want to say, I say thank you to you both. You actually agreed on a couple things. That we was do agree not on surprising things. when it comes to electrification. But Sam Riddle, always good to see you. Thank you for joining yeah, us. And solidarity and forever. Thank you as well. And we appreciate that. This uh -oh. debate is just getting started. Up next, a very unique voice from a guy that you've heard from before, the former UAW spokesperson who was on the job when GM workers walked off the job four years ago. His thoughts on the approach the union's taking this time around, as well as an all-star panel joining this conversation. That's when we come back. Back now, let it rip, diving back into the looming UAW strike against the Big Three. I'm joined now by Karen Dumas with the No BS News Hour, and of course, the Detroit News columnist, State Senator Jim Runstead, Michigan Capital Confidential Managing Editor James David Dixon, and via Skype, former UAW spokesperson Brian Rothenberg. Uh, this is a guy who everyone's familiar with, and uh, look, when, whenever there was any battle between the Big Three and the union, we heard from Brian. So let's get into it with him first. Uh, all right, so the GM deal that just came down on Thursday, 10% uh, pay hike, um, bigger increases for temps even, uh, $5,500 bonuses, $6,000 inflation payment, and Mr. Fain said this is an insult. Your thoughts? Well, he's, he's bargaining. So what's different here, Roop, is that they are in a situation here where they are a new style of bargaining. They're bargaining publicly. And so now the company's putting their proposals out publicly. It's going back and forth like this. This normally would have taken, it would have happened behind closed doors. And because of that, what you're experiencing right now is basically public bargaining and the theater that goes on behind closed doors as they bargain. Do I think that uh, Sean Fain is serious about arguing for what he needs to get? Yes. Do I think that eventually he understands that he's bargaining and he's going to wind up with a compromise? I think everybody understands that that's part of bargaining. Do I think it could go to a strike? Yes, it could. But strikes aren't necessarily bad. They're hard on workers. They're hard on the company. But they balance out in the end. And, and that is what you're seeing. You're just seeing public bargaining that you would normally not see. It's It always gets heated, and as you remember, you're up until midnight or after sometimes that final night on the yeah. 14th when it expires. Yeah. So that's what you're seeing. Interesting stuff here. Um, all right, so contract extension. We'll talk to Brian about that too, but I want to talk to our panel uh, here. Uh, is it possible that they just do a contract extension? Mr. Fain says, uh-uh. Either you accept our deal 
or we're walking. Um, how serious do you think that is, Karen? And do you see a strike? Do you think it's inevitable? I, I don't know, but it is. It's the art of negotiation. And, and, and from a negotiator's standpoint, I like the approach that he's taking. Um, certainly, he's probably asking for more than what he would settle for. Again, that's, that's how you negotiate. But he and the members have said that they are prepared to strike. So if, in fact, the, the auto companies don't come to the table with something they consider viable, I believe they are prepared to go to a strike. The UAW says we want a 46% raise over the course of four years, a four-day work week, uh, Senator Runstead, and a boost to retirement compensation. All this in the shadow of record profits and executives getting paid huge packages. Anything wrong with what these guys and gals are asking for, Senator? Well, I think there's there's two components there. What they're asking for is, is very rich, 32-hour uh, work week. Not many people have that, but get paid full-time with a huge increase in, in pay. Uh, I think it's a, a pretty rich ask. They also want to have uh, restoring pensions to the uh, uh, the new tier of workers. Uh, they got into trouble years ago because he had the richest benefit packages I ever knew of of anyone in manufacturing and went belly up. And then the government had to come in and rescue them. Also, they have to worry about uh, non-union plants down south uh, in Mexico. They, they have no unions there. Uh, so it's going to be a real balancing act because they're, Ford and these companies are messaging out to the public. The UAW is also going to have to be messaging that we really deserve what we're asking for, that this is something that's needed because I think there's going to be a bit of this back and forth in front of the public. James, $150 billion revenue uh, coming to both plus, to GM and then for Ford, uh, respectively. That's a lot of money that these companies are making. Shouldn't they share this? Shouldn't they increase these wages and give these guys and, and these men and women what they deserve and what they want? Well, the wages are almost certainly going to go up. Uh, but when you think about something like the 32-hour work week, okay, so unions really invented the weekend as we know it, and they want to do something like that in the modern day. They want to have, you know, okay, we, we also gave you a third day off work. Here's the problem. If I'm labor, I want to present myself as essential. I want to present it as if none of this goes on without me. And when you say I want a 32-hour work week, you subcommunicate the opposite. You subcommunicate that it really doesn't matter whether I'm here or not. So argue about how much you get paid when you're working, but don't tell me you don't want to work. But James, isn't it true that they're restructuring the workday? It wouldn't necessarily be that, I mean, you're eliminating eight hours, I get that. But when you do that, you still have to produce uh, what they're producing, and these are the experts who know how to do it on the, on the lines. Shouldn't we give them the credit that they deserve and allow them to have that? No. Why? No, I mean, it, 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 it's strange reason to believe that you can do as much work in 32 hours as you could do in 40. All right, Brian. You're telling me you're wasting eight hours of your day, right? That's well, literally Karen, the argument. you want to chime in well, on this No, one? but I'm saying, but what you're also going against, too, is automation. You're looking at overseas production. You're looking at other things that undermine their ability to leverage to say, hey, you can't do this without us because we're moving toward a period of time where we can do it without them. So, so that's going to undermine their ability to leverage that in their negotiations as well. So, Brian, I want to bring you into the fold again. Um, when you hear about some of these plants that are already doing EVs right now in the South, uh, you're hearing a lot about uh, the fact that they're going to non-unionized shops and they're making a lot of money because of that. Are you afraid that the big three will end up saying, you know what, fine, walk, we'll go open our plants somewhere else? 
No, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, first of all, I think that it, it, uh, it, first of all, we are underestimating the UAW worker and what they mean to these companies. And I think the companies will tell you they're always going to need that skill inside a factory that machines can't just do. I mean, I think Elon Musk famously said a few years back he was going to try to make Tesla one of those companies without people and found out really quickly you need people. Um, secondly, you can't fall into these tropes. I've heard a lot of tropes today about things like, you know, uh, the pension system put put the companies uh, into bankruptcy. It did not. The collapse of the economy, the collapse of Wall Street is what did that to those companies. In fact, when the pensions went off the books and went into the VIBA, the VIBA has been one of the finest and, and best investment pieces in terms of adding back in uh, health, not just health care, but they have eye, they have dental, so they've handled that well. The real issue here is that the the since that collapse there has been an effort to try to come back. I mean, under the Bob King contracts where they had to be concessionary because of the situation where we couldn't strike, you did get these tiers. Originally, the tier was an actual tier. There was no path. Then in 2015, we created a path so that people had hope that they could go from the second tier up to full pay. Then in 2019, it was a growing period that's that six years and included the temporary workers, most temporary workers, not all, uh, being able to be in that. So you're seeing uh, incremental approaches. And I think what Fain's administration is saying is enough with the incremental approaches. The problem is there is a tipping point where new product uh, especially smaller cars or smaller vehicles that have less of a profit could could shift. The other yeah. problem is in getting a contract passed in this new style of bargaining, we'll have to see how it plays out. It worked for the Teamsters, but when you bargain publicly and you build expectation, you know, it's about the members. The members are voting. So all of us on these panels and the previous panel here tonight, we're talking about someone's employment contract. You know, it's got to be very uncomfortable for them. But that's the reality. They're making the decision, not Sean right. Payne, yeah. nobody else. No, it's the rank and file. Uh, Karen, uh, are the big three and the Biden administration jumping on this electric train way too quickly? And at, and because of that, we, we're looking about we're looking at jobs being lost? Well, I think so for several reasons, including the lack of infrastructure, which we see here in the state of Michigan all the time. I don't think we have the infrastructure for it. And a lot of consumers are not ready or demanding electric vehicles. So, yeah, I do think that they're jumping uh, the gun and it's going to be costly. So, Senator Russell, why why are they doing that? Why is the Biden administration doing this? Uh, the emotion that is whipped up uh, on the left side of the equation, the political equation, uh, there you can't even have a discussion about what kind of minerals are going to have to be mined to produce these batteries. What is the energy capacity that you're going to need to be able to run these? The emotion overrides all of this. You can't even get into the facts and the details that the cost of these things, not only is the feds pouring in, Ford's losing a fortune in every one of them, uh, the, one of these EVs, and they just, I was reading today, they have to cut the price even more, so just losing massive, massive amounts of money. This isn't a, a, a process that's going to work over time. It's going to be a disaster, and they're forcing it at such speed. The UAW should be saying, listen, let's integrate this slower so we're not going to potentially lose tens of thousands of workers overnight because but, of the, 
but, but Jim, they're not making these vehicles so that no one buys them. There's not lots filled, hundreds of thousands of electric vehicles sitting around. People are buying them, and they have a plan, right? Or no? I mean, people are buying them, but not enough. I mean, Gretchen Whitmer wants there to be 2 million EVs on Michigan roads by 2030. Right now, there's about 37,000. And the only pathway there is with a lot of taxpayer money, and that's from production to buyers of the EV, to charging resources. And so you take away any of those Jenga pieces and the whole house is gonna collapse. Karen, when you take so, a look so at some of the pay up. raises, oh, Brian, you, you wanna chime yeah. in, Brian? Yeah, on EVs, so just very quickly, you know, the reality of the EV situation is that they're building them in China, they're building them in Europe, they're going to build these cars in those places and we have to compete in those areas. They have a very different public transportation system, very different commuter issues in those countries. So yes, they're they're trying to balance and do this. The other problem is it really isn't the left that pushed this. What's really pushing this is Wall Street and everybody wanting to make a profit like Elon Musk. And so the companies realize that the more they talk about pushing toward electric vehicles, the more their stock prices go up. But the reality is in the end, demand, who's gonna buy these cars is gonna decide how quickly that transition will really but Brian, happen. how much more expensive, and back to the the raises that they're asking for right now. We're going to make this a quick answer because we got to go to break. But question for you: They get everything they want—a 46% raise. Uh, isn't that cost passed on to the consumer? Not, not as much as you'd think because it's actually recent studies have shown it's only between eight and twelve dollars uh, uh, and twelve percent of the actual cost of a car. Right. It's it's not nearly what people think in terms of the the human part of it. Brian Rothenberg, good to see you. Stay with us uh, on the other side of the break. We're going to take a look at Charlie uh, as he's taking Let It Rip on the Road, where he is right now, to Mackinac Island. Reaction. Is this fight good or bad? Well, I'm not a union man, but I can sympathize with some unions. It's kind of hard to argue either way because you got the automakers making a whole lot of money. Everybody wants a piece of that. What's too much? It's hard on the people's lives. It's a tough situation, you know, and it's both sides arguing in a fight over money. How do you solve a problem if both sides are just butting heads? You sit at the table when you talk it through. You know, the auto workers want, what, a 40% increase? Uh, and that's that's a starting point. That's how I see it. It's always negotiating. Agreement. Finally getting to uh, really sit down and discuss it like adults, not children. Strike? No strike. Strike. Uh, I don't think so. I think they'll work it out. How do you solve that problem? <laughs> Fudge! Fudge! <laughs> All right, we start with Brian with his final thoughts. Um, strike is imminent, and uh, what are your hopes? Ultimately, it's up to the workers and the ultimate end of a contract and how you judge it. The report card comes in the years after that contract is passed. Karen, but we will I, have. Contract. I would like to hope that one day in America that compensation will be reflected commensurate with the contribution of the workers. Senator Runstead. Well, the average Michigan family makes 63000 per family income. The new car now is 47000 uh, The cost of housing, everything, something's going to break here if they don't come to an agreement with all this in mind. James. Life is not fair. Fair is what you negotiate. 
We know right now that what's fair to all of our society is that they reach some kind of an agreement. It's good for all of us. We're all hoping for that, of course. We're on it every step of the way. That does it for this edition of Let It Rip.